Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Journey Within Podcast. Got a couple guys with me that I know fairly well here and spent a lot of time in the field. Um, we're going to go over that, but we're also going to go over a, a pretty sweet project that they just kicked off i've got lee vandenbrink here and adam rock how are you guys doing today pretty good pretty good very good very good oh nice and warm and cozy in here yeah so we uh we just finished actually doing uh, and i say we i was standing outside watching these guys work um they've got a pretty pretty cool concept and company they just started um to where they use a drone in the third i guess a thermal drone to do uh, density studies. So we were on my property here along the lake doing a deer density study. And I guess it's deer density because it gives you the numbers, but it also, um, like the big one for me is just this time of year where they're concentrated. Um, and we'll get into it a little later, but their, their, their movement patterns and where they're going compared to what I thought um, they were doing was, I mean, that was pretty cool for, for me to see and I guess learn. I mean, that's the big part is you're always trying to learn as a hunter. Um, but before we dive into that, let's, let's get to know you guys a little bit more. Lee, like just go over your history. How'd you, how'd you get into the, the outdoor industry? Where have you been? What have you done? Yeah. So, um, uh, my adventure probably started, I would say right out of high school. Ab and I actually both, I feel like when he tells his story, they're going to be almost identical in the okay. story, but we started out guiding after uh, high school guided in Iowa, I guided in Missouri, guided in Ohio and a little bit of Montana. Um, long, I'll try to condense the story as short as possible, but guided for about five years. Um, Ab and I were in Ohio. We took a TV crew out. Um, we guided a TV crew. They came into camp and we sat back and like, I was watching the, the, the camera guy and like with whitetail guiding, you know, you're basically more or less, I, I hate to say this, but you're a taxi cab driver during yeah. the season. Yeah. You're, you're just bringing the guys to their stand, dropping them off and saying, okay, the stand's over here. Good luck. I'll see you at dark where I, I really like to be involved. So I, I saw, I was watching the camera guy and next thing you know, like he's gets to go hunting every single time he's in the tree stand mm -hmm. with the guy. And like, he's, I mean, just as much in the hunt as the actual hunter. Yeah. So I mean, that kind of led me and Adam. We started filming each other, and, you know, that led to one thing. And a great opportunity opened up at um, a company called Rusted Rooster Media. Adam and I both got a job with them. Um, we've been in it for, I would say, like eight or nine years. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Been, a, been a while. Oh. So. so I got to ask, who was the TV crew that was in camp? <laughs> it was uh, the it was, Rush. The, was it the Rush? Yeah, oh, yeah. The so, rush. yeah, the, I guess there was two. The first was the Rush. Adam already knew them. Um, they came in. And then a second one that really sparked my interest was uh, actually a local guy, too. He lives now, uh, he lives right down the road from me. Uh, Justin Alk, his uh, show was called oh, yeah. Dream, um, Point. Dream Point. Yeah, so he was there, and they were looking for pro staff members. I'm like, okay, okay, so like I could potentially get paid to go hunting. Uh -huh. So I'm like, everybody's okay. dream, everybody's dream, <laughs> exactly. Everybody's dream. Yep. So I was like, yeah, I was already in the guiding business in the world, but like uh, I actually want to go out in the woods and like you know 
potentially hunt. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we bought a camera and, um, needless to say, it was a rough start. There was a lot more <laughs> to it than I actually yeah. realized. And this funny story, we, we made a video, we went down to Indiana, filmed each other hunt. I sent him the video and I mean, he, he responded to me in the nicest way possible with, without saying, Hey, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> but he basically worded it like, Hey, you have a good eye for it, but you know, there's a lot more to this than most people realize. And from there I was just like, um, you're not hiring me right now. Like what, yeah, what's what, going on? What's going on? What's why, going on? why don't, why aren't you like, was saying, it, was it a successful hunt that you filmed? No, no. Oh, we oh. saw one deer, one deer. We, I mean, and we didn't get footage of it. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, uh, I mean, more, but you guys <laughs> thought you knocked it out of the park. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. We, th- we thought we crushed it. We, we thought we had a job. Focuses. <laughs> like, I mean, we went from tree to squirrel, to squirrel to a branch. To, uh, <laughs> I mean, it was, I thought we crushed it. It had like a slow motion shot that went at time we thought was slow motion, but needless to say it was, we just yes. slowed the frame right down. And it was very <laughs> so it was, choppy. It was, it was choppy footage, and yeah, it was like I mean, we didn't know anything about exposure. Like some some clips would be like super hot, or um, in other words, overexposed, uh-huh. and then other clips would look great, and we're like, wow, this is awesome. This one uh-huh. looks so much better than this one. We had no idea why. No idea what was no going idea on. why, but yeah, we um, sent him the video, and like I said, nicest way possible, responded was like. You know, you, there's potential there. You're just not quite ready yet. Uh-huh. So I kind of took that to heart and was like, okay, well, watch me now. So yeah, that from there, um, I've had a, a lot of good experiences. So how did you how did you get in and actually learn how to use the camera? Did you go to school? Did would you like how did you pick up the skills? Because now I watch you in the field, and I mean, you guys both know exactly like you guys are dialed in, right? You you walk into the walk in, you know exactly how we need to lay out the episode, the scene. Like you guys are directing me and. and camera work and everything is like out of this world so how did you go from that to what you guys are now in the nine years um it was definitely a slow process but um we started out i mean just youtube 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 we basically were self-taught um in the beginning and then um as actually talking to some other guys that are in the industry some other camera guys and they're like hey um i would i would constantly i would like just find people on social media um, I'd make a little video, send it to them, and then and say just, hey, just straight up, like tear this video apart. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Give me some advice. I'll take, I mean, like constructive criticism uh-huh. to them. Like just tell me, tell if it sucks, tell me it sucks. Yep. So they would, uh, everybody was great. Everybody that I sent videos to, they would help me out and say, if you really want to learn more, there's a school, um, Rusted Rooster, which at the time I didn't know anything about. Yep. Um, they put on a, a like a three day school. So Ab and I both went there, um, spent the three days there, and I'm at, we learned a ton. I would, I mean, a ton of stuff, stuff that, like shutter speed, how that works with f stop and your ISO. Did, and was that JB that put <laughs> that yep, one on? Yep, Jason Brown okay. with the Rusted Rooster crew, and like, like I said, the the stuff that I learned there was awesome. And the what JB's so good at too is be able to tell, not only teach you camera skills, but the the pr- producing something yeah. more or less yep. pointing, taking a video camera out and just pointing it and hopefully the editor can put something together mm-hmm. he really taught and really emphasis on like producing a television show getting the shots to uh give to the editor where they know like they can tell a story from point a to point b yeah. and from there like i said the stars just aligned that after the school they needed some help during that fall and i spent the whole fall with them on the road and then after that uh i got a job so yeah i learned a ton when i was on the road just infield experience yeah. after that was just so beneficial so what is the difference between setting up for a normal hunt like if you're gonna whitetail hunt out of a tree stand by yourself versus if you're going up actually with the camera mm-hmm. like from a from from a field producer's perspective like what's the difference in the set like what what are all the differences oh there's a there's a ton i mean i that's funny now when i go hunting without a camera it's like well this is easy like, yeah i could just set up like i can you can go anywhere get in any tree doesn't matter as long as I'm covered, I'm good. But with a camera, I mean, it it takes everything and doubles it. It mm-hmm. literally doubles it. So, like, in your tree stand, um, and you're trying not to silhouette yourself, you have to fit two tree stands in one tree, ideally, and be able to get away with the, you know, using a camera. There's way extra yeah. movement. You know, you're swinging the camera around the tree with a uh, tree arm. You got two guys moving around. One guy's grabbing his bow, and the other guy's moving yeah, the yep. camera. You have to get away with a lot more. And also as a cameraman you have to put yourself in a position to be able to tell the story be able to show everything that is happening rather than um you know if it, if you're just hunting by yourself you can tell the story of the deer came in you grab your bow and you he looked up at you and you had to freeze for a second yeah, yeah. and then he walked out into this opening didn't have a shot here and then stepped in this opening that's where i shot him uh-huh. 
So as a cameraman, you got to put yourself in a position that you can actually show all of that. Because yeah, yeah. one of the things I learned in the beginning uh, with JB is like, if the camera didn't see it, it truly never happened. Yeah. Never so happened. like, I mean, people, you can you can fake it and recreate it um, at the end of the day, but it's just not the same, and it comes across that way a lot on television. It does. It yeah. Does. Now that you sit back and I like I I don't watch outdoor TV too much, just occasionally, just to see what everybody else is doing. If there are any trends that we're missing or anything like that, but you can definitely tell the good shows versus the other. Yes. The other shows that don't have the field producer in there that are you're missing the transitions of. Okay, how did he? How did you all of a sudden go from this to man? You're ready to roll over here, but you were just walking and yep. it's sunny to now it's cloudy and it's raining and you missed what happened in between and you're like, man, I can't. Like me, I'm like, I can't watch. This. It just, I mean, it just separates separates yeah. you. You know, like your brain is just telling you, okay, this is filmed and this is produced, and like obviously when it's not done the right way, it just it doesn't. Your brain doesn't retain it in a yeah. good in a good way. So yeah. like when when it all comes together like that, you're really telling the story of. You know, from showing up to uh, all the way up to the kill and everything in between. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody, everybody that is in the outdoor industry or hunts knows, like, you just don't go. There's so much more to the story than just the kill. So yeah, be yeah. able to show all of that and just tie that in to make make it fun to watch and actually, like, you know, people's attention span is very low these days. It so is. be able to hold that attention span them. for a whole 22 minutes is. Mm-hmm. It, I have a lot of respect for people that do it, and I, I you never stop learning. There's, you just continually yeah. grow. And there are always these trends that you catch and you and you go from there. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Like look at the hunting public now. Like they're the rawness of them, their stuff is is catching on as a trend yep. right now. And then I I still appreciate good production when it comes to T V and that's mm-hmm. just that's just my opinion. I like, like I said I I love the storytelling good aspect. Good camera of works, it. good I mean just yeah. Yeah. Hey everyone, I just wanted to remind you that we've got some important tag deadlines coming up. The state of Arizona has their elk and antelope on February 14th. Utah has their mountain lion on February 22nd. Wyoming sheep, goat, and moose is on February 28th. Be sure to give the team at WTA a call and get applied. Well, Adam, we got to hear from you, buddy. You just can't let Lee. You can't let Lee do all the talking. So, how, like, <laughs> where did you have the exact same feeling that Lee had when you, when you were guiding, and then all of a sudden, like, man, this is. This is what I want to do. I want to transition to do something else. Yeah, and when we first start, when we first guided, I actually had a little like Canon recorder camera okay. that we brought to the tree. And I think uh, be actually before we went to the film school, I think we had two recorded kills. One was a coyote, and then one was a turkey. Um, but yeah, going into it, I uh, I, w- I was very open minded. I uh-huh. I didn't think that. I was going to get a job right away. I can tell you right now, Lee definitely put a lot more time in the studying, the produ- the producing stuff of mm-hmm. that. But um, when he got hired with Rooster, um, I didn't. Yeah. So that kind of, I, oh, I was a little sour. A sting. I was a little sour. Sting. At the time, I felt like I did put some time in and I'm just like, man, you know, what do I do now? And uh, I actually got a job opportunity with Whitetail Properties and uh, then I had to relocate down to Illinois. So I, I took that job and... That really kind of boosted my uh, my ability with the camera. Mm-hmm. Just know? in the field more, using Just, it every yep. day. In the yep. field more, you know, we did the Whitetail Properties TV show, and uh, you know, I did film a lot of real estate properties. And yep. It just got me hands on a lot more. Um, and then, yeah, and then I I decided I want to kind of take the editing editing part of the production team, and uh, yeah, started editing and. Then I got a job with Rooster, which I had actually go- before going to Rooster, I had no idea how to edit. Uh-huh. I might have edited one one little clip, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, this is real. Like I really got to get into it. Uh-huh. So I yeah studied YouTube. Uh, Linda is another platform that you can you can learn from a lot. But yeah, started editing, and and I was just amazed how much the editing portion helped my production. Because you're, you're seeing it at the you're seeing the finished product, yep. so you know okay, this guy missed this in the field. Right. This yeah. guy missed this, or he got this, and look at how well this came together. And you just put that in the old memory bank. Yep, that that helped me so much. Oh yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the, the when people t- ask me how do you get into this, I'm saying for one, learn a camera, but after that, go out, film stuff, and then bring it back to the computer and edit it. Because when you're looking f- like hands on of every, you're working with the footage that you right. shot. You you'll realize instantly like oh I could I wish I would have filmed this or mm-hmm. got this shot because now if I would have got that I could put that right here and then it would just tie it all in way better yep. so yeah that's the biggest thing is editing 
I'm I'm not a big fan of editing. (laughs) (laughs) We know, Um, but uh, it definitely helps you be a way better uh, producer in the field. Mm -hmm. So, so knowing that you guys have been doing this for nine years now, like looking back, what are some of the cool things that you've been able to film while there? Places like where? What do you look back and be like, man? I remember that. Like that's one of the first things I remember. I think the first thing that comes to my head was the 226 that Gabe Adair killed in Iowa. Like Just, uh, it, it, it wasn't so much location for me with Whitetail Properties. I mean, we traveled, you know, locally a lot, but yeah, it was that 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 giant deer that I was like, this is this is sweet. There's not too many people get to see a deer that big. No, no. And free range and on the ground. And I mean, you were you were a part of him that whole season hunting that yes. deer too. So let me like. The storytelling there was really awesome because we, I mean, Gabe was literally hunting that particular deer. He he was passing 160s the just entire to, time just to be able to kill that buck. How many days did it take him? Uh, from the first day we saw him, it was 10 days. 10 days. Mm-hmm. Just nonstop. Just just nonstop. And we played it right. He would never hunt quick. mornings and he would only hunt evenings. Yep. The, the day that we hunted the morning, sure enough, we had him at 20 yards downwind and uh yeah we just never ended up getting a uh, shot but we ended up figuring out he was injured and he stayed around the property and you know a few days after that we killed him uh, so uh, that was that was just one thing that that i from whitetail properties and then of course you know working with you mm-hmm. being able to travel around the world is is awesome going to europe and, and seeing the different you know culture yeah. it, was, it was a culture change for me yeah, big yeah. time we'll just wait until you get to azerbaijan this yeah yeah uh, <laughs> so good culture you change for africa you. finally yeah. That's not Africa, Lee. <laughs> it's not? Azerbaijan. You don't know where Azerbaijan's at? No, wait, no. No, it's oh, Asia. Oh, it's Middle East, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lee, <is laughs> so I'm so excited I, for you to get to Africa. <laughs> so excited. So, wait, ex- so in my head, what? okay, in my defense, you're heading to Africa soon. So. Yeah, in, in April, look at going to Ethiopia. Yeah, yeah. okay, yep. so I'm getting our trips mixed up here. Okay. I yeah. might go on that one, too. There <laughs> you go. Yeah, then you can, then you can, see, you can Africa. see Africa. <laughs> I mean, just knock them out. Africa, Asia, just be I mean, right there. That's not a common place to know where it's at, in my defense. No, no, but that was a great one. So <laughs> ex- I'm so excited for you to see Africa. It's just so excited. Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm, yeah. You're going to Africa now. Yeah. <laughs> so what about you, Lee? What like looking back, like um, I would say, if I had to narrow it down to one um, thing that I got to experience that sticks out above everything else was um, it actually leads into why we're doing this um, uh, new adventure for ours. But um, it was um, collaring. And, um, uh, was it what? relocating? No, we didn't Sorry. relocate. I'm trying to think of the word. Um, I don't know what we did to the rhinos, but we, so we went down to Africa, um, with a Cabela's SOA adventure and we actually collared wild, um, elephants. Okay. So, um, that was with Ivan, right? That was with Ivan yep. Carter. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, for me to come from, I got into all this filming and everything to, I mean, more or less kill animals. Like I loved hunting. I loved all that part of it. But then being on the almost the same side, but this complete opposite spectrum of like, instead of we're not going out here to, you know, harvest this animal, we're going out there to um, actually help grow the population. Learn about their movements. And yes. yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just an incredible experience. I mean, walking up to a live living because i mean we'd we'd tranquilize them out of, the, out of the helicopter and then once they would go to sleep we had uh like it was a it was a whole thing was a time thing like you have to get to the elephants um so long after it actually goes to sleep to make right. sure it's healthy and it's staying alive make sure it's breathing properly so the elephant would go to sleep and just walking up to an animal that size and i mean it was just it was nuts like it, yeah. i just i can't put it uh into words like being able to hold on to an elephant's tusk a wild completely wild it's not like a zoo animal yeah, yeah. that's used to humans and all that like picking up an elephant's tusk and making sure that it's breathing properly i just sat back and was like wow like it's one of those moments that just yes yeah. i would never it's something that i would just never be able to do if and if i wasn't into this career i would mm. never have that uh, opportunity in my life yeah no, that's so pretty- yeah that, that was cool i mean just and then again just the different places that i've been to i've been quite all over the across the world um been very fortunate and like adam said like it's just the culture that you see yeah. everywhere else it's not so much the, the animals it is it is just like everything else that does animals that are in this area and the cultures this and that area different yeah. ways of hunting them it's just it's something it's something different every single trip yeah now 
you went on dropped, right? Yep. You were on dropped. Did Adam? You didn't go on dropped though. No, they didn't. Okay. They didn't allow me. They didn't allow you on. They didn't allow you to get. Thirty on the days plane. with Adam would be rough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh come on. I was still. I was still like in the editing process, so no. I was learning. Gotcha, gotcha. So like Lee on on drop because I've I've always talked to Chris and Casey about it, but I've never talked to you about it. Like, what is that from a filming perspective? Like, yeah. Thirty so days just just out there. So if anybody doesn't know what dropped is, it's a show that Chris and Casey Kiefer do um, on the Outdoor Channel. And it's um, they slash we get dropped off in a remote area, either by helicopter or plane, and we live off the land for 30 days. So, I mean, like, it's it's more or less um, naked and afraid, but with clothes on. Yeah, I don't want to see those guys naked. <laughs> nope. No, I nope. don't want to see No, we had a lot naked. of clothes on because yeah. normally it's cold. So, luckily, it was um, – I was afraid, though, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's – yeah, it's dropped off in – um, a remote area and you live 30 days off the land so when you look at it as a survival aspect it's like holy cow that's awesome that's uh-huh. something awesome to do but when you look at it as, as a production side of things it's like how do i keep batteries charged how do yeah. i dump footage I, it's not like i go back to a hotel room every night and transfer yeah. footage and charge batteries and then honestly like being able to like you're working non-stop of telling the story like 30 days is a very long time to be in the field like mm-hmm. in the elements and the cameras are basically probably saying the same thing it's like holy cow like it's what so are we wet, doing so yeah <laughs> exactly it's, so cold. What it's, it's not like we're going to like the bahamas and saying on like this beautiful island it's yeah. like alaska in the bush um canada we did new zealand we floated down a river i think it was like 90 miles down um a river through the south island of new zealand uh-huh. that was the first one that i did and it's just like it's a it's a beast of its own like again we're we're eating very minimal food because um sometimes the hunting just doesn't work out as everybody knows mm-hmm. and um yeah i remember towards the end of each trip i would be like standing up and i'd get lightheaded every single time i'd stand up just because my body was just completely depleted i mean yeah. my mind is always going and i think my mind was probably burning more calories than my actual like movement was just because uh-huh. i was always constantly okay here's the story. I'm trying to produce it the best that I can to show everything without shooting too much. Cause we have to conserve batteries yeah, yeah. and footage and all that. So yeah, that was just, that's a whole different beast. It's a, it's an incredible, incredible experience. Um, something that I can't really put into words of like, when you know, when you get dropped off in a spot and uh, that plane or helicopter is flying away, there's a weird moment of where your body, that your body goes through of like, okay, I'm here for 30 days, no matter what, like they're yeah. not coming back unless we press uh, an SOS yeah, button, yeah. but they're not coming back here for 30 days. So I'm quiet. in, I'm in my, ele- I'm in the, like my element, but I'm in, you know, under, I'm under nature's uh, beck and call there. Like there's, yeah. if uh, rain, snow, sleet, hail, wind, everything, like no matter what, I have to live through it and survive through it. Yep. It's, it's, it's an, it's a crazy, crazy feeling, but I, I loved it. Hey guys, are you into keeping your whitetail herd healthy and strong? Go check out Buck Bourbon and their full line of mineral and attractants. Personally, my favorite is 110 proof because I've had some great memories and great deer taken over top of it in the state of Kentucky. Born from bourbon, field tested, wildlife approved. Check them out at buckbourbon.com. Hey everybody, I've been partnered and working with Bass Pro and Cabela's now for a long time. They're your one-stop shop for anything outdoors. Personally, I use them for all my camping and backpack needs for all my backcountry trips. Make sure to check them out at basspro.com or cabelas.com. Leopold offers the best optics in the game bar none. I personally have their Santium binos and never go to the field without their Pro Guide spotting scope. I've got a Mark V on all my rifles, and also don't forget they've got some awesome eyewear as well. For more information, visit leopold.com. Like that's sheep hunting to me. Like the sheep hunting, when you get dropped off, you got everything on your pack and that plane leaves, and then you sit there and it's silence. Yes. Right? And it's funny, like like I was in BC and Dawson, my guide up there this past year, he says, it's always funny to watch out all the hunters that get dropped off. You included as you sit there and when that plane goes away, it's like this, it, the first day is just panic, right? Cause you live on your phone, you're answering, answering calls, text, emails, all this time. And that's gone. Mm-hmm. You can send an injuries message and yeah, you'll get it back like 15 minutes later. And then you can it's a, literally the longest chain ever, but he goes watching hunters in the field that first day's panic. And then by day three, they've hit this calm and peace that you can tell they've, 
the real or real world, the hectic of all that stuff's gone, and now they're living in the moment, right? Yes. And you can see that now. Like I felt that through that trip of just man, I'm in the moment. I'm not worried about what's going on at the news, the stock market, any of that stuff. I'm just worried about you know waking up in the morning, eating. Then where am I going to hike to for the day? What do I have to climb? Yeah. (laughs) Eating lunch again. Then where am I going to camp? And hopefully I can get my tent set up before a downpour comes so I'm not wet. Like it just simplifies life. But at the same time, it's like for me, and it it sounds like for you guys too, it's just like my mind loves those breaks. Mm -hmm. I love going there and just taking all that away. Mm -hmm. And then when I come back, like I'm eager to get ready to go again. And every time I get back out there, it's always that same thing. It takes one day to decompress and then you're good to go again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I just – I think your body, to me, I was actually talking about this like a week or two ago with somebody. When when you get dropped off in like such a an extreme environment like that, and you're so disconnected from mm-hmm. everything else, your body, I feel like it's it's a weird switch where it instantly goes into survival mode for yep. the first day. You're yep. like, okay, like, do I have all my food? Do I have this? Uh, like, if this goes wrong, what's going to happen? And that, like you said, that first day is like you're 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 nervous the whole mm-hmm. time, and then all of a sudden day two you're like this is cool like yeah. I, i'm really these are awesome views this yep, is yep. great I, I like this day three you're just relaxed it's yeah, just, just like it's just like, i'm here like yeah. there's nothing besides a bear that would bother me right now <laughs> and besides that like it's you're just living in the moment and yeah. I, I like you said, that disconnect of cell phones the news all the mm-hmm. bad stuff on tv like it doesn't matter yep. the only thing you really care about with your family back at home but you know they're much safer than you are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that, like, like that's it. Like, even so much as planning out your food. So, like, you sit there and you got your like on a sheep hunt, you got your bag of snacks, right? Mm-hmm. You got your usually a, a peak refuel or some kind of something like that. So, I've got breakfast, usually not lunch, but you got dinner. You got two to three a day. Sometimes you pack enough depending on a trip that you get one for lunch. Most of the time, it's in the morning, morning and night. So, you got two. But then you got the snack bag, and you're like, always to start the trip because you're used to being home. You're like, man, I'm hungry. I'm just going to eat something. But here, you're like, you're counting it out. Like, today I get one. Or if I skip this one, I'll get two on a day that I really need. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, what happens is you get a rain day, and then you go through, exactly. completely trash that <laughs> out. And then you're like, I'm going to eat today's. I'm going to eat that one I saved. I'm going to eat tomorrow's ahead. Now I'm eating Thursday's ahead just to burn time. But it's like it brings your body down to your your literally as you said on survival. Yes. Right at home, I'm cold. I turn up the heat. It sucks because I got to go from my truck to my house and it's raining and I get wet. Mm-hmm. There by day six, you're like, yeah, it's raining. I put my rain I put my raincoat on and I sat in the rain for eight hours. Yep. Nothing. And I probably won't be dry for another three days. Yeah. And it's just uh, that that is what today brings. And you bring it on like it makes you more mentally tough for when you get 100%. back and deal with the every day of the world to where you're like i can drop my kids off at school man two days ago i was hiking in the rain and 30 mile an hour winds just trying to stay afoot and you're like yeah this ain't this ain't now you're worried about your steering wheel being yeah yeah Yeah. my steering wheel warmer what's going on yeah not working anymore (laughs) yeah it's a and you you say it about like your 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 concerns are way different when you're out there like i remember on drop for example we would um we're with four guys in the field so we would shoot something we have like this portion of meat and uh-huh. you're just your eyeball and the person <laughs> next to you, you better not take a bigger bite than don't me. Yeah. even that, think that, about this taking is it. our food like that we need to have energy to do the rest yeah, of this yeah. trip it's i love it it's so cool oh. to fight for the old tenderloin right off the bat right <laughs> with with drop two and you know from from production side you know people that see the uh the the outcome or, or the final project don't realize that you know there's only so much pre-production you can do mm-hmm. before the hunt and you know that's what makes our job so interesting and you know how that how producers like us can can adapt right yeah. when you when you get into a situation and it, 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 nothing's playing out but you still need to make an episode yeah mm-hmm. so that you know something like that looking in like it, it's definitely you know you have to adapt in the situations even even yeah. you know traveling with you like mm-hmm. we might not get a kill we might get a kill but you you got to adapt you know to the situation and, and how, they, how and do you make, what leads up to that too, right, right? like yeah. okay international stuff's easier in the travel aspect right because there's so much and then you land in a different culture it's not like okay i go whitetail hunting in kentucky well okay you show a little bit of the drive maybe you talk about it but then you're like okay i'm in kentucky it's crazy crazy down here like ticks. they got an accent and ticks are all over you're like you know you're not do that but you go to austria and you're like look at the culture and, mm-hmm. and the history of hunting but then it's the same thing like 
okay, so if you're driving during a hunt and not walking as much, that's tougher because mm-hmm. well, how do you show it? Well, you're riding in a truck, glassing mm-hmm. from a truck or high racking down in Mexico. Like I'm, I'm high racking, but there's not as much of a story because I'm not hiking and saying I got to get to here. And mm-hmm. it's just, a, it's a different story, right? right. So you got to say, okay, as that's going along, what's, what's the underlying story here? Yep. Is how do I make this interesting yeah. to watch? Yep. 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 Exactly. Yeah. And that's something like you guys both do a great job in the field of, okay, I know this is what the hunt is. Even, even like a blind hunt for whitetail. Right. Like, how do I make it different from the other 7,000 blind hunt for whitetail mm-hmm. that are going to be on TV this year? What, like, how do you make it different? What's mm-hmm. the story? You just can't go and be like, hey, it's day two. Here he comes. He's coming out. Right. Right. And, and that's it. And then there's the hunt. Yeah. And, and that's done. it. And then you're like, well, what, what just happened? You got, there's no interesting story. Right. Like, how do you keep viewers around? Well, and that, and that JB is the one that basically taught us how to tell a story mm-hmm. without having a kill. Like, that one year you guys for rooster had what two kills and you had to get 13 episodes out of it. Yeah. Still to keep people engaged. That's, that's pretty, it's pretty awesome. See, I'm the opposite. I'm like, (laughs) if I don't kill, I don't show it. Yeah, Don't show it. But then you're like, man, Mark, he he literally was gone for 10 days. He got 16 kills. Like, how are we going? What are we going to do with it? Yeah. From an editor. It's just, just just like, how do you fit that many hunts into one episode? Yeah. I've got four segments. I got to be between four and seven minutes and I got to fill 17 kills. Here we go. And he just, and he just keeps going. He's going. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Now, now let's talk about what we did this morning. Um, but before we get to that, like, where did the idea, well, actually, no, talk about the technology first, right? Like that's, that's what made this all possible. So, so a thermal drone, like what is a thermal drone? Thermal drone. Um, well, thermal technology is, I think, extremely evolving over time and it's becoming really popular in the predator hunting side of things. Um, what it is, is it's a thermal sensor that the easiest way to describe it is it detects heat signatures. Okay. So, um, you know, like you, our, our body throws off a certain temperature and when you're outside, it's a different temperature for anybody else. I so. instantly think Arnold Schwarzenegger and predator. Yes. hundred percent. hundred percent. That's what I mean, it is. That's what it is. That's what it is. Okay. Yes. That, to my mind, that's what it went to. <laughs> now it's predator. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we're, and now we added a predator to our drone. Yeah. So now we have, they've come out with technology to be able to, you know, everybody knows how, um, drones are such a vital tool and especially in the storytelling aspect Mm -hmm. of being able to show you from a bird's eye view. Mm -hmm. Now we can get that bird's eye view with the thermal technology and see what, I mean, we can see just um, a lot more than the human eye could ever Mm -hmm. see from being on the ground. It's, it's an, it's an incredible, incredible um, thing that they've, uh, that's evolving right now. And I'm guessing that probably came from the military, right? Like if I think about why there was they, the military right. probably put the thermal on the drones to start with, and now it's getting over to, into the, the, the normal markets to where yeah, you can uh, use it. And you look at like uh, thermal drones has been around for act longer than people have realized they've been using it to, you know, like for your house, for example, uh, if you have, um, if you're losing heat in your house, you can, f- um, use your, th- use a thermal um device and see where your heat loss is in your house makes sense yeah so thermal's been around for a long time people are just now i think realizing the benefits and uh, the different uh uses that they can use for Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. so explain now that now you got that technology in the drone and you guys obviously have flown drones for a while doing the filming part i think i i've cut my hand with the drone and crashed the drone those are my two experiences so i don't touch them um so explain what you guys have have done taking that technology and in, in the service that you guys are now offering. Yeah, so uh, it's so w- the best way to describe it is we are using a thermal drone, and with the technology that we have and the the drone's capabilities, we're able to fly someone's property. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're still learning as we go right now, just because like each time that we fly, we're learning something new, uh, things that we can offer hunters and outdoorsmen about their property. We can tell you deer density numbers. We can tell you buck to doe ratios. We can tell you, um, uh, deer recovery. Um, you shoot a deer and you know, it, maybe it rains and you lose blood. Yep. I mean, the deer's could be dead, but it's still throwing off heat signature where we can find that deer in, I mean, like the average time right now is like 12 minutes. So instead that's of what it takes you to find a deer. That's the average time that I would say it takes. Cause most of the time you think about it, you, well, that's true. You guys see so much like 
I go out and you lose a blood trail, right? Like how often do you go out with a bad hit and you lose a blood trail? And now all of a sudden you're doing circles and you're like, I'm covering so much ground. And in reality, you're covering a 25-yard circle that the deer may not even have went through just, just looking for it. And you guys are already up in the air, and you've covered all that and yeah, just it's, onto it's it. Yeah, it's that. I call it the eye in the sky. It's like it's the perspective that we have from 150 feet above tree line level is just it's it blows away what you can see from the ground. Mm-hmm. So, like again, go back to the deer recovery. You shoot a deer, you gut shoot a deer. Most of the time, if you don't bump that deer, if it's actually hit, it's only going to go maybe 200 yards at the most. It's like if you got a lethal shot on that deer, it's going to go to the safest place um, that it knows of within a 200-yard radius Mm -hmm. and bed down. So with the drone, we can send the drone up in the sky, find that deer, put the drone in a position and then switch to a normal camera, zoom in and tell you for one, this is okay. We found the deer, but not only is the deer, where is the deer, but is this deer alive? It wasn't a lethal wound. Cause I mean, with the, with the drone, even when the thermal mode, you can see if the deer's head's moving or if it's laying down on its side or like if it's, or, if like it's really sick, like, Hey, don't just give it, give mm-hmm. it time. It's right there. Give it a couple more hours and it, it's going to be over. Or it's like, man, that deer is high alert. Like you can tell it's hit, but, He's still good. It's going to survive. It's going to survive. Yes. Yep. Yes. It's a hundred percent. Like, I mean, you can sit there and study the deer and you know, our job, um, actually when the deer is considered to be alive, our job is done. Like it's, mm-hmm. we, we pull out, um, we don't, um, we cannot help you in the pursuit of an animal. Yeah, yeah. Our job is to help you recover an animal. Just, just locate it. Like, just where is it at? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. And be able to di- again, distinguish whether this, there was a fatal wound or, um, no, this deer is not not yep. dead and just it, it it's it's huge for hunters for like let's say you hit a deer and it's not a lethal wound uh, and you and you're spending you're spending money on dogs mm-hmm. you're you're going in with a dog you're bumping it you're pushing it you're pushing it further and further away from your property i mean the chance of a big buck coming back after that much pressure back to your property yeah. are slim to none well with a drone you you hit a deer we find it we establish that it's um not a fatal wound we didn't push the deer at all yeah just, it's, it's it's low pressure the deer probably at the end of the day doesn't know what happened no clue and you don't push that deer the deer after a couple of days it's going to recover and it's going to mm-hmm. go kind of slowly get back into its normal pattern and yeah. give you another opportunity potentially and that was the big one with the with the dog is like it, don't get me wrong like a dog's great like it's awesome. going to help you do it but if that deer isn't if it's gut shot and you sent the dog in too early or it's still alive, you have bumped that deer and now that deer's running, you know how deer go. Uh, yeah, they get one, bumped again, they may go miles. You, you get the adrenaline going on the deer, that deer has a will to live and I mean, there something's pursuing me, I'm gonna go. Mm-hmm. And again, you keep pushing that deer, there's a chance that it's not coming back. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so now you've taken that you've taken that technology on the recovery side, but like the the to me, I'm like, okay, that's 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 in season recovery stuff. Like, and I think you guys will be shocked when you come into this fall how many guys give you a call on the recovery stuff of even even somebody that's like, man, I may have just been a little bit back or I may have been a little bit forward, but that deer's my biggest deer and I don't want to bump it or I don't want to lose it. Mm-hmm. You're gonna get a call on that and they may be they may have just smoked it. But like in your head, you always try to replay it like me. Like I'll replay it and then I'll even go on the camera and watch it and I'll be like, Man, did it then I'll start thinking that and what what I saw, and now you're just making a, a jumbled mess of it, right? Well, I think a lot of people will call you just for the safety of knowing I'm going to go get the deer that I just shot. Why risk bumping the deer if you don't have to? Exactly. Like, yeah. It, it, yeah, it, comes, you, it comes down as simple as that. Don't risk you know, blowing this deer completely off your property if you're even like a, a little bit hesitant of the shot. Yep. Like, it's just not worth it to me. Yep. But I think like the biggest – for me, I think the coolest thing that you guys are doing is is the deer density and the buck to doe ratio. So I think is, and I, I don't know, everybody probably gets this way, but I've got 120 acres here. We've got a pretty good sized partial, um, family partial in Michigan. That's that's I don't know, about 25 minutes from me, and we've had that one in our. And Dad started that with five acres and grown to be quite big. But the the spot at my house here, anybody that watches follows me or anything realizes I got pretty decent deer right along the lake shore here. It's kind of like a hidden gym, low pressure type area. But I always want, and, then, and so that got me into building up the habitat, mm-hmm. actually working with the deer herd here because I feel like there's certain spots here in our other piece that 
we can pass on deer and they'll actually make it here in Michigan, not to get on the two buck state and all the mountain hunters <laughs> and everything that Michigan is like, that's a, that's seven, that's, diff- that, that's, that's seven different hole. conversations. So that's different. But knowing what I have here, it helps me to know where the deer are at certain times of year, which means, okay, what food are they utilizing? What's the cover that's keeping them on me? Like I, I look at it as if they're betting on me, they're safe, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the smaller deer are safe on me because I'm not going to go and shoot a six point at this point in my life. Now I may have a youth come in and do it, but for generally they're, they're safe on me. Mm-hmm. And when after season, before season, where they're at, really what's the deer density? Because like, I know we're supposed to shoot does, but at my place, I like, I drive through the driveway. I'm like, I know I've shot the big deer in the past three years, each of the last three years, because I have the does on my driveway. They're coming here during the rut and that's causing him to be here now like we saw today do i need 25 does here that seems (laughs) aggressive right like that that's an aggressive amount of does does it need to be 15 and i think just those touching base twice a year and watching how the deer herd reacts after fawns drop like what does it look like then what's the buck to doe ratio then what does it look like right before deer season what does it look like after deer season and taking that and everything in life's data right like Mm -hmm. you just take those data points and you keep moving and you're like, okay, we've got one year you've got a really high doe ratio and, and the buck movement was this. One year you got really aggressive on thinning out does and now it's this and the buck. Like, what is that? And actually having an accurate idea of what the deer are on your property. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep-sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Look at that, Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. See, I think that's the biggest thing that um, people are going to f- latch on to eventually with us is the the actual data that we can show them. We can. It's always a guessing game of like, okay, you have um, 120 acres. Um, I I wonder how many deer on, you. You never yeah. know how many deer are on your property really. Mm-hmm. Now we can physically show you exactly how many deer your property is sustaining, and this all kind of circles back to. When, when I think of man, deer management, mm-hmm. instantly what pops in my head is Texas. Texas, yeah. I would say, is probably one of the most managed deer herds I've, uh, in the world. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and more so on, like, bucks, yes, but even so on does. Like, yes. they're, they're just aggressive on the does, right? Because there's only so much food in Texas. Exactly. Yeah. And, I mean, people in Texas, they're, they're hiring. Um, I, I know several ranches that will hire a helicopter and they'll go through extensive, exten- a lot of money mm-hmm. and extensive um, levels of how of flying that helicopter to give the most accurate things. And yep. look at why Texas shoots such big deer. Like they're growing really big deer, and it's because they have all the data that they have accumulated over the years, mm-hmm. and they know exactly what's on their property mm-hmm. and exactly how to ma- properly manage a deer herd. Mm-hmm. So you bring that back to every other state. Obviously, 99% of um, the normal everyday guy that owns the, like 120 acres is not going to be able to hire a helicopter yeah, to come fly. It, it makes no sense, right? Like those ranches down in Texas are so big, it makes sense. Yes. Mm-hmm. Tags off it. And one thing, the parts in Texas, they don't have to cover like here in Michigan, right? Exactly. We got pines and maples and, and yeah. So they're pushing, they're pushing them yeah. out in the open. They're basically just doing a quick, okay, there was 30 deer running yep. this way. There's this. Now we bring that idea to Michigan, implement our drone. Mm-hmm. And we're able to, with the thermal technology, we're above tree line level. We're not pushing the deer off your property. The deer have there. no idea that were. You saw this morning yeah. those those does that were I was hovering over top had they were just browsing. Yeah. Um, we're able to do that and give you such accurate results without um, impacting your actual deer herd, without yeah. bumping them off your property. We're not taking a helicopter and shoving them to the, mm-hmm. the open field over here. So you made it. You made it everybody's capable of doing it now exactly right because it's not bringing in a helicopter it's not doing this 
And no matter if it's a 40, 120,000 acres, whatever it is here in Michigan, other states, like now you've got this to, to where I can see like what the carrying capacity is on me. Exactly. And it, 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 it takes so much guesswork out of it. it yeah. So like a good example is like guys that are potentially like on a, on a, on a hunting club together. Mm -hmm. They have 400 acres, you know, you get some older Old, old timers that say, no, we need to shoot more dough or we don't want to shoot more dough. You get yep. the younger generation that says we need to shoot more dough. And at the end of the day, this guy's saying, I saw five deer. And on the other side of the property, he said, oh, I saw 10 deer. Are they the same deer? Yep. Are, you, are you hunting? Are you, are you really seeing the yeah. same deer? So now we come into play. We fly the entire property. We're going to tell you exactly how many doe are on your property, how many bucks are on your property. Mm -hmm. From then, that's not our judgment to tell you you should shoot more doe or not. But that there, they have they it's have the you. real data of being like, okay, we do have forty five doe, and we there's our property is only holding five bucks. Yep, we could probably take a couple does off the property. Yeah, you, like you, you have you have, have the to. real yeah. data to physically we can show them every single deer on their property. And like I'm. I'm excited to get you guys at our other property here in Michigan, just because like if I sit there on opening day of rifle season and, and normally it's with Shelly in the morning and then myself in the afternoon sightings that I see deer 360 around me, I'll see on a normal year somewhere between 70 and 90 in the, in the full day. I hunt all day. Now, some of them are, are a group of nine does coming in together, right? Mm -hmm. With a couple of, of, that year's fawn still there. They haven't kicked them off yet. And then you'll see uh, the bucks and so forth. I always wonder, okay, because my dad's over here and he's seen 30 and my brother's over here and my nephew Alex over here and everybody sees. How many deer are actually on the property, right? Like are how you... many of the, the, the 70 that I've seen did dad and Alec and everybody see? So I'm like, if you can't add them all together, because there's no way we have 280 deer on mm -hmm. our property, right? Like that's, that's not there. But what's the number that we actually hold? Exactly. We, there we've got 40 acres of standing corn. We've got um, a river that runs through it. So they've got bedding everywhere. We've got areas we've came through and logged aggressively to where it's really thick undergrowth. We've literally got everything they could possibly want there. But what is the actual number of deer that we see? Because, again, it goes back to the, the older generation is, well, we don't want to shoot too many does, right? Like that's right. what that's what keeps the bucks around. But all of a sudden, that's why I'm so interested in you guys getting there and going, yeah, you literally on, on this you have – 180 deer and there's 15 bucks and you're like yikes that means we've got 165 does on here and in my opinion you get towards a rut that those bucks like yeah they're out searching but they don't have they to. don't ha they don't have they don't to because there's 165 yes does and it's so much like so we leave our corn standing all year because we we just do the corn for it this mm -hmm. is 100 hunting property so we leave the corn standing all year we want a safe spot we want them to have food all the way through the winter michigan winters sometimes can suck but like on that, we'll come into the fall, the corn's gone. So it's already gone at that point. They've literally eaten everything that we left standing there for winter and it's gone. So we're like, okay, my mind tells me we've got too many deer. Like if they've already come through and dusted 40 acres off, like that's too many deer that are there. Yeah, we're keeping them on us. But like, I want to see what, how many deer are truly there what the buck to doe ratio are because in my head i'm like it's getting out of control on the does and i think this is a way that you can take in like the older guys that hunt where i hunt there and you can be like listen this is how many does are here we have 160 shooting 20 is even making a dent it's to what you're not even yeah. touching them we need to get real aggressive in here exactly and a, a property can only sustain so many deer mm -hmm. so you start you you have all those does what what i think a lot of people don't know is like for let's say you'll use your property example mm -hmm. let's say you have 160 doe on there you have 160 doe that are living on your property it's going to push bucks off your property yeah it's too, a, it, yeah. there's the, the property does not have enough food to sustain that number of deer mm -hmm. um and it's just it's stuff like that i think it, we can we can take this and be able to really open up people's um minds and like show them exactly like there's things that we there's things that you can do to your property yep. um, just by us flying the, the drone and we can show you everything that you want to know. And now I know like I was just riding with you down to Arkansas this past weekend, like you've had a cool one, which completely makes sense of guys calling you that they're looking at buying a piece of property, right? Yes. Like that's genius. So that guy, like that guy, I'm not going to mention his name or what state it's in or anything like that, but he's like, I'm looking at buying a piece of property. It's solely for recreational use that I'm going to hunt. 
I would like to know this time of year how many deer are on it. Is it worth? Is it worth me spending money to get? Like I'm gonna make a, I'm gonna spend a, a small amount of money up front to know are there deer living on that piece of property? And I look at that, I'm like, dude, that's money well spent. Hundred percent. Like mm-hmm. you may go in there and and fly it and be like, holy smokes, on this forty, there's twenty five deer in here. There's this is where they all bed. And now you're like, you're feeling really good about yourself. Mm-hmm. Or you may go in there and be like, there wasn't a deer. Man, we picked up a couple squirrels in the back, <laughs> but. I didn't see a single deer. Exactly. And that guy's like, I'm not going to buy that. Because mm-hmm. that makes sense. I'm not buying that to, to to do that. And, like, that's one of the ways you can look at doing this, right? Yeah. And then for to touch on that more is um, the guy, it w- literally was a 40-acre piece. Um, it was mostly field. So for for me to go there, fly that, um, it's it's the – if there's deer there, they're going to be there yeah. right now. Like, yeah. um, it's it's – 40 acres is, is a, is a, can be a, a pretty large investment these, oh, yeah. these days. Especially so, in Iowa, right? Like in the prime yeah. deer area. Yes. So you, you bring me in, I fly this 40 acre piece. I can tell you, Hey, this property has potential to hold deer. If you do this, or I can tell you, no, this property, just, there's no deer in this area, especially this time of year. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's up to you if you want to buy this piece of property. I can tell you right now, there are no deer using this this property to either bed on or feed. Yeah, I mean, for an investment, like that's one of the cool areas or ways you can use this technology and what you guys are doing. Um, like the other one, in my mind, it's only a matter of time till you get called from a state's DNR or Game and Fish and something like that to do counts. Like I look at elk numbers right mm-hmm. so the only way to get an accurate elk number is if you fly it but states don't exactly. have it in and, their budget funny thing you say it. that we're actually working with a a state right now who are where I've, I've been able to sh- tell them about everything that we can show and mm-hmm. we're working on being able to go down there and sh- letting them see firsthand that how much this technology can benefit yeah. them and i mean they they straight up admitted i'm not going to say what state this was or where it was but they came out and said they have no idea how many elk they're actually on their state so you look at um they're trying to manage this this elk population the best of their abilities Mm -hmm. they need to know how many elk they can shoot each year off this off Mm -hmm. this out of the state Mm -hmm. and how many tags are they should be allocating for this like it i'm yeah and how how states do it now and there's nothing and when i say this this is how this is the data that the states have. So this is how they have to manage it. They look a lot at what happened the past year, mm-hmm. what the successes were in the individual zones, um, what the age classes were, what the what the the bulls to cow ratio was, because that's the only data they have. So you're looking in reverse versus looking forward. Yes, they're they're going off what previously have happened rather than looking at actual mm-hmm. results of what what's what's there and what's living what's now what's going right now I mean, and, and for michigan example the only way that michigan truly knows a deer um herd numbers is they they base it off how many deer were taken are harvested are harvested yeah, each year during yep. gun season well i mean <clears throat> this that we can go down a rabbit hole of how i feel about yeah, yeah. some of this but like you let's say we start end up flying like 15, 15 to 20 different properties in one County. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have an incredible um, idea of how many deer, I mean, you take the average, you can start doing math and doing averaging and get a very close idea of how many deer are in this County. Mm-hmm. You use that, that um, data to actually say, okay, in this County, we have a lot of deer. Yep. We should take some deer off or, reverse roles this county is actually not as many deer as we thought we should maybe cut back on tags here a little bit like the the stuff that we can be able to show not only landowners but state let uh, as far as it goes up to state in the Mm -hmm. dnr i i mean the possibilities are seriously endless i look at going out west even more so just because now you've got mule deer but even so like uh utah colorado wyoming that have shiris moose like to get an accurate count of Shiras moose in some of these areas. So, so the game and fish departments can make their judgments of what needs to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Like up in, uh, Yukon BC, like in those thick areas to where you're like, man, I, there's moose in these areas, but like you can fly them and actually see what the actual density is. Exactly. Like you always hear like, I think the Yukon is like one, one moose per, it was something like 20 miles is what they said it is is that true like let's go okay let's go around these lakes and see what's around a lake there just see what the numbers are exactly and we don't have to fly literally the entire no you don't obviously fly you, you don't have to yeah. fly the yukon but you fly enough land 
you're gonna be able to use that data to be able to yep. um, decipher like okay yeah there there was four over here and there was two over here the average is this work the formula yes yep work the formula yeah it's it's exciting and, and go back on kind of jump back another um way that i see this being very beneficial you said talk about not only landowners but now the big thing now is leasing not everybody can afford oh, yeah, a piece yeah. of property so you look at i mean leases in michigan you're you're looking at i mean gosh we we almost paid um $2,500 for a lease that was, how many acres was that? It was 40. It was three grand for 40 acres. Which it, is like it's ridiculous. Which is like an Iowa price that's, that's or Missouri. Insane. Same price. But here's the thing. There's no land in Michigan. Right. Just like any state. There's no land. There's more hunters than there are for, mm -hmm. for land to hunt. So leases like that, because if you guys didn't pay it, somebody else is going to pay it. Exactly. Right? So, it, so it, it is ridiculous. Before you make that, I mean, I mean, it's not. I mean, it's a big investment, $2,500 yeah. for one year of hunting. I come in for a cheap yeah. cheap price, fly the property like a quick flyover, and in one hour I can tell you, like, yeah, there's is a lot of deer on this, but is this, is this really worth your investment or should we be looking at other things? Yeah. 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 Oh, that makes sense. There's there's a lot that we can do with this. I'm, I'm excited for people to start being able to follow along and um, see everything that we're able to actually yeah. show you. Um, One guy, another example – one guy contacted us and what he's interested in is he knows he has food on his property. He just doesn't know how many, how much deer, um, is this cornfield, um, and his food plots actually feeding at night versus how many are bedding during the day. So are all the deer that are, he's getting on his trail camera, are they living on his property or are they all just coming here to eat? Transitioning Cause you talk about yeah. a, a trail camera. You put a trail camera on a tree, that deer has to walk in front of it for you to get a picture mm -hmm. and intel on that deer. Mm -hmm. And the deer could, you could be p trying to pattern a buck and he walked around the camera one day and you're like, oh my God, he's, he's not here he's anymore. He's not here, he's gone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Us flying the drone on your property and saying, okay, here's your buck bedding area. Here's your doe bedding area. This is how they're maneuvering through your property. Like mm -hmm. this morning on, on your property, we were flying. We watched, when we first flew your property, there was at dark there was like we found i think two deer mm -hmm. when it was still dark out mm -hmm. and like i was thinking oh my gosh when mark shows up i'm gonna tell him like hey dude like there's no deer on your yeah. property sorry about your yeah. luck <laughs> as you, when you met us it was breaking daylight deer were just starting to pile on your property mm -hmm. when we were seeing groups of 12 walk on your property so like that's just good information that you would never be able to get and it makes sense because i and then i sit here like like that and i'm like and I relate to on my driveway, right? Like I drive my driveway right through the center of 120 acres. When I drive Shelly into school in the morning, I occasionally see a deer in the headlights off to the side. Mm -hmm. When I come back right at that past dusk is when I'm like, and there are deer everywhere in here. So it relates, but like I never put the two together. Like, okay, they're eating off me. They're coming back on here to bed. When they get up in the afternoon, they're browsing a little bit, and then they're off. Exactly, and yeah. from there, you as a land manager, land owner, that you can go from there that you can you can really like dissect your property. Of, okay, do I just want to continue to hold? Do I just do I just mm -hmm. want the bedding, or like, hey, maybe I should put some more food on put my property. Food, yeah. I want to hold more deer where they don't have to leave my property mm -hmm. to, and potentially get shot. Because you talk about, you know, you're you're trying to. Um, get bigger deer in the area yep, yep. well as soon as realistically in michigan as soon as they step off your property hey, they better be they're, running their chances agile. yeah <laughs> the chances of them making it through are, are pretty slim so you like for instance you add more food to the property more deer are gonna be staying mm -hmm. on your property not having to leave yep so yep. it's 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 a lot of good information we call it we call it our land manager packages where we basically combine deer density buck to doe ratios and basically everything else that we can tell you about right. that all in one package and uh, like i said the the data that we can show you it's mind-blowing really yep so i know you guys got the website coming um you guys are on social you i assume you guys are going to start doing videos and stuff just like yeah if i don't delete the footage i mean i mean yeah so a little i mean why don't you tell everybody what happened this morning as long uh, as we're here. i don't want to talk about it, it was a rookie rookie move i just I mean, I got rookie you was, guys are nine year veterans <laughs> no, i know 18 years combined and experience honest, i can honestly think i can honestly say this is potentially maybe the first or second footage i've ever truly lost in my entire life I've all the years of filming, nine years of being in the field almost every single week, I've never lost footage. And so this morning, 
I was cold. I was excited. We saw a bunch of deer. We got footage of a buck. And so the way that we do is we record our screen on our controller because um, it's a high resolution. You're seeing we're able to give you the footage of yep. everything that we saw with the drone. Um, I just shut the controller off without like telling it to stop. I didn't. I didn't click save. Uh, yeah. So yeah, all that footage that we uh, got this morning is uh, potentially lost. So we'll, it basically uh, never happened. Basically never happened. Hey, but, you guys just talked about that 45 minutes ago about if you didn't get it on camera, right? It never it happened. Never happened. Never yeah. happened. So um, we'll. Uh, needless to say, if it does stop snowing here. We're, uh, we're probably going to come back and fly your property oh, again yeah. to, <laughs> you guys, get, you guys to get some footage to actually yeah. show. <laughs> yeah, you guys come back wherever you want. No, I have to admit, like on that, this year's self-filming my rifle hunt was the only time I, I double-clicked. Yeah, it happens. I double-clicked, yeah, and I, I was so excited, and I went back, and like I, I I hit it to stop recording, and then it turned on the light, and I was like, well, wait a second, that's... That's, that's record. That's recording now, supposed which to means, be recording. wait a second. <laughs> yeah. I go on the camera, and I'm like, it happens. I double punched. It happens. Mm-hmm. Double punched. It, it's, it's not a good thing. Yeah. So, our last, before you go, so like uh, you guys are doing videos on social media, check it out, Aerial Wildlife Solutions. Last question, where did you come up with the name Aerial Wildlife <laughs> Solutions? Because to me, to me, it, sounds, like the name? it sounds awesome. Does, like somebody, somebody put their thinking cap on and was like, how do I get all inclusive in this? Not deer density because yeah. it can be any animal like how how did you come up with that? Yeah, so funny story. Um, funny that you asked this. I was actually in a high rack in Mexico. Um, you might recall what oh, down in Coahuila, I oh, think. Coahuila. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I was with you. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I was kind of I was I was telling you about the drone and everything that I'm excited to do about it. But I'm like, I just I need a name. I need a name. And we were. Probably this was day two of um, twelve-hour days in a yeah, high we were rack. Grinding out a lot, <laughs> a lot of miles, so much, so many miles. And honestly, there wasn't a lot of game to look at. So we had the conversation. I was like, I just need a name. So uh, little Mark Peterson and Aaron Blaze, he was in the truck with me, and we're just rattling through names. Like, I mean, well, Aaron it, kept going back to the the like he kept saying like "Eye the Tiger." He wanted the eye. So he wanted the theme. He's song. like, then you get the theme song, and you're like, yeah. and then old Mark is just quiet the whole time. And next thing, he goes about aerial wildlife. Did you even say solutions? I said solutions. You did I say did. solutions. Right you just said aerial wildlife solutions, and I was like, it's it sounds smart. It sounds catchy. Um, if you shorten it's AWS, that's cool. You could probably make a cool logo off AWS Aerial Wildlife Salute. Dang it! Yeah, so that's it. And then you text me, and, and I was that, yeah, like, I knew, I, I knew in, right away. I in reached Adam. I'm like, because we've been going back and forth for a week, at least a week right. on names, and I'm, I'm we're well, it, I, it, nothing was even close. No, and before that, we were thinking just the recovery, right? We weren't yeah. even thinking of the deer density buck to doe ratio, and. Yeah, we had a couple Next. names for the recovery stuff, and then yeah, when that came up, I was like, "That's gold." That's it. It's That's it's it. golden. It's so, like yep. coming up with names is like the hardest thing. It's a lot so of right pressure. Right now, I'm trying to come it's up like naming a kid. We're trying to come up with a name for the place in Arkansas. <laughs> trying to come up with a name for a Mexican restaurant down here in Silver Lake. Trying to come up with a name for a coffee shop. Trying to Aaron's trying to come up with a name for the digital series that we're doing on the taxidermy stuff here. <laughs> like, dude, so many, I, I literally I look at my to do list for the name. I come up with four names, so I'm sitting there. I'm like. I'm on a block, right? You just, <laughs> well, I can't I'm glad think you used it anything. on me then. Yeah, <laughs> on a block. Yeah, you were. I mean, it only it was two days of high racking, and yeah, you just so silently it was just like aerial wildlife solutions, and I think I, I think I went silent. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be it. This you is gonna be it. it. How do I? How do I say no? But then. It, Still but keep then, it. Yes. That's, that's bad. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, wait a second. Why did Instagram popped up with that and the logo? Where did that come from? Yep. So Mark, I, I'll give you full credit for that name. I th- I think it's a perfect fit. It's it's it describes your company as a whole. It's aerial wildlife solutions. We can tell you everything from buck to doe ratios, deer density to deer recovery. And I mean, honestly, everything in between. It's it's exciting. I'm, I'm I cannot wait for people to finally be able to see everything that we can really do. And I, it's been exciting just here. And as, as we've been traveling, the stories of guys calling you and the projects you guys are working on, like the, the landowner going to buy property, like that's a no brainer. Mm-hmm. That won't be the only one And like what the next year takes you guys through of, of guys using it for different things that like, 
like they don't they have something on their property that they wonder right like that's it they're gonna go do it i think it's gonna snowball i think it's gonna get pretty big and then like i'm looking forward to the recovery stories as well that you right. guys have in the fall hopefully yep. uh, hopefully i'm not calling you but <laughs> but from I my mean, from should. my past experiences i'll probably be calling you so like no, it's, it's all good yeah, stuff. Yeah, and I think we, we're we growing with the technology. Um, obviously, the drones are just getting better and better, yeah. and we're constantly trying to keep up to date with offering the best service that we can. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you know, guys are calling me and being like, hey, this is what I want to know about my property. I'm like, oh, sh- shit, I never thought Never thought that. of that before. Yeah, this yeah, is, makes I can, a ton I can, of sense. For one, I can easily do yeah. that, but two, I just, I just never thought about that. So, yeah, I think what what we're describing now is everything that we that we know that we can offer i mean people want to know more information they just reach out to us and i I know that we can show them yeah well i i've worked with you guys a long time so i know what you guys what you guys are like personal and and business wise and skill wise so man i'm excited to see what the next 12 months comes anything to add adam 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 said adam said four (laughs) words today any adam anything you'd like to say before you know i'm just i'm just here for the ride you know lee lee really nailed it on the um nailed the coffin here i mean i think i'm excited for the future for sure so anybody that doesn't know adam we like to stick adam in an editing bay from i don't know probably about november he'll pop out in april there for a little bit and then he'll head back in for a while and then, and then, then they expect a lot from me when I get out, and I'm just like, I'm white, I'm pale, I haven't, got, I haven't touched a camera. Are gone. Yeah, I haven't touched a camera. And <laughs> his, his hands. I said some comment today, like he's my hands. Soft are so, hands. So so cold. He said I looked at his hands, and I'm like, oh, those are editing. Hands. It's <laughs> like just he has lotion been, gloves on. They've just been uh, smoothing around on his mouse for <laughs> months straight. Yeah, well, I'm here. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna have a lot of time in the field soon, hopefully. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. Looking forward. Yep, See how that video turns out too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, with that footage. Yeah, with that footage. Yeah. With, the, with the recreate footage. <laughs> oh, have a good day, guys. See ya. Thank you, everyone out there, for all the support and downloads. Don't forget, go leave a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts. That always helps. Also, if you're looking to book the hunt of a lifetime, go visit WTA at WorldwideTrophyAdventures.com or give the team a call in the office at one eight hundred seven five five eight two four seven.